Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Osterman here, I'm Insider Indianapolis Star. It is Wednesday, April 5th. It is thundering outside. Uh, hopefully we don't lose power while this is happening. Uh, you know, forgive the, the 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 raspiness in my voice. My kids have been trading daycare uh, viruses back and forth to one another. I got caught in the crossfire. Um, but with me today is uh, healthy and resplendent is Tyler Tackman. Tyler Tashman, I'm, I'm getting it right. Um, and we are talking about the portal. It is portal season uh, in every possible way. The the actual college basketball season is over, which means the dead period is over. Indiana is expected to host a a handful of visitors this week, including Chris Ledlam from Harvard. Um, They have been linked to, although I don't think this has been uh, confirmed, Kalel Ware from Oregon, the big man. Um, This is just a time, Tyler, when, generally speaking, things are going to get – you know, we, we've seen Indiana have Zooms with guys and obviously had a couple guys on campus. Peyton Sparks is committed, but it feels like we're really kind of at the business end now of the portal. There's a little over a, a month left in this window, and, and Indiana is going to want to be busy in terms of filling the four spots it has open. And this is a crucial offseason because you look at last season or last offseason, Indiana didn't bring anyone in the portal because um, they had Trace Jackson Davis return. They had Race Thompson return. Um, they have four freshmen coming in, so uh, there wasn't as much transition. And now you're looking at Indiana has just a ton of production it needs to fill. Trace Jackson Davis um, is is going to the NBA draft. Race Thompson and Miller Cop are both out of eligibility. Um, Jalen Huchifino is going to the draft. Jordan Geronimo, Tamar Bates, both in the portal. Logan Duncombe just committed to Xavier. Um, so you're looking at Indiana having to fill a ton of production and it, it almost feels like to me sort of like a an NBA kind of you know reloading retooling because of basically everything that Indiana needs to kind of put together on the fly and I think with Mike Woodson's NBA background you know I I don't think that that would necessarily hurt of basically um having to uh, figure out things on the fly, you know, create those relationships or, or continue to build them on the fly. But um, it's really, you know, this is just crucial for Indiana in terms of basically just being able to fill in a lot of points, a lot of rebounds, um, you know, et cetera. What, what is their starting lineup basically going to look like? Yeah, I think it's fascinating because, you know, I have had this conversation with a number of people in different ways. I think we even maybe had this conversation on this podcast. Um, we haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, though, so forgive me. Um, you know, it's it's not just about Indiana maybe wanting to fill out its starting lineup. I, I think it's probably Indiana wanting to um, change the way it plays. You know, Mike Woodson has been very open about the fact that he never really played through a – a center, a five man, whatever term you want to use for where Trace Jackson Davis was on the floor, 
in terms of, you know, how often the offense began by getting Trace a touch, usually on a post-up um, in the half court provided in the end, obviously, you know, sometimes on the roll, sometimes in the pick and roll game. Um, but, you know, it, it. Mike Woodson's been pretty clear. Like, that was that was never really something he – that was never something he um, he did a lot of in the NBA. And if you you know if you look at his his Hawks teams in particular, a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, a lot of positional versatility, the ability to switch a lot of different positions. Frankly, if you look at the the, the team that probably informed a lot of his thoughts on building teams, uh, his time with Larry Brown and the Pistons, same thing. You know that that you had Ben Wallace, who was maybe the you know, the, the best defensive center in the Big Ten at that time, or the Big Ten in the NBA at that time. Um, but then, you know, around him, it was guys like Rasheed Wallace and Tayshaun Prince and Rip Hamilton. You could switch, you know, screens. You could be positionally flexible with how you defended different situations. Um, and it does feel like it's it's not that Mike Woodson wanted Trace Jackson Davis out the door, but I do think that Mike Woodson – sees this now as a time for him to build the team that in his mind's eye, as best he can, because you're you're still beholden to the players available, the players you can get, but in his mind's eye, a team that looks a lot more like what he had in mind, what what he would have in mind if you just sort of said, okay, you're starting from square one. And you know, you 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 have basically no pieces. What do you want to put where? You know, what's what what skills do you need? What tangibles do you need etc um and i just think i think that when you look at some of these guys indiana's targeting you you do see maybe a, a move more in that direction of can indiana be longer more athletic more positionally flexible outside of obviously point guard that's that's kind of the one you know the one and everybody would love to have a six six point guard indiana had one last year but um, you know, your point guard is always going to just be the best player you can find there. Outside of that, though, you know, more versatility, more athleticism, more reach, um, maybe a little bit more like what Indiana ran into against Kansas this season, for example. Yeah, I think that's where we saw Indiana struggle so much with teams that could really create matchup problems, uh, spreading them out with their versatility, like someone like Penn State, um, Iowa. Um, just just the teams of that nature, and then you look at what Miami was able to do. Um, so you know, I think it's you know trying to create those uh matchup problems, uh, you know for for the for the for Indiana's opponents, and you know you look at a guy like Jamison Battle, um, you know that they're going after in the portal. Um, is he going to be able to shoot well enough from three as maybe like a stretch four? You know he's uh, last season he went 31.1% from three. Uh, the season before that he went 36.6% from three. Um, you know, is he a guy that, you know, maybe in that four position, uh, you know, in place of race Thompson, is he able to stretch the floor enough? You know, is, I think another big storyline is, is Malik Renew going to be able to, uh, put together his expanded game on a more consistent basis? We kind of saw that in, fleeting moments um, in his freshman season, but is he going to be able to do that on a consistent basis? You know, I think um, looking at a guy like Caden Shredrick, 
um, for from Virginia at you know a more athletic big. I don't know how much of a ability he'll have to spread the floor, but someone that um, can you know w- would possibly be able to switch out on screens on the perimeter um, that can move his feet, that can block shots, that can get in the pick and roll. Um, you know, if Xavier Johnson is granted that waiver, um, I think, like you said, it's just looking at guys trying to get guys that um, kind of fill in that versatile role that can do uh, multiple things that can create matchup problems for others. Because I think Indiana just had too many guys these last few seasons where you could basically pigeonhole them into one role. I think having guys that can do a bunch of different things um, is is really beneficial, especially just the way that the game is going, uh, the, the modern basketball game in terms of being able to switch, being able to play multiple positions, being able to stretch the floor, um, all of the above. And I feel like that's that's something that Indiana can and really needs to improve on kind of moving forward. Um, just a quick word on the guys that left. I I don't think it was a huge surprise to see Logan, uh, Logan Duncan. You can tell the, the speed at which my brain is moving this morning. Please forgive me. Um, you know, he'd had some injury issues in Bloomington. He'd never really kind of carved out a role. And it did maybe feel a little bit like, you know, stylistically the game was moving or the, the, the program was moving in a direction that probably isn't what he had in mind when he committed to Indiana under Archie Miller. Um, Jordan Geronimo was a player who obviously, you know, really teased a lot of promise across three years in Bloomington, but by the end of last season, um, really had kind of seen his, his, his role shrink substantially. Um, you know, if, if you just, I mean, if you look at just like the, the basic numbers or whatever, he'd had some injury issues and I think that affected it to be fair. Um, but he didn't play more than eight minutes in a single game after February 11th. He only played more than 10 minutes in a game once from January 25th onward. Um, there were, you know, there were seven games in there where he didn't play at all. And again, I think some of that was injuries, but some of it was also just, if you look at like his, his last, you know, five minutes, one minute, 21 minutes in the Michigan game, but then four minutes, four minutes, eight minutes, four minutes, three minutes, three minutes. The one player that surprised me a little bit, um, if for no reason other than simply because of the volume of production Indiana was already losing in, in areas like shooting threes, um, you know, backcourt rotation, guard rotation, et cetera, um, was Tamar Bates. And, and, you know, Bates could be maddeningly inconsistent. His shot selection uh, sometimes left something to be desired. Um, and obviously if you, until maybe the last three to five weeks of last season, you, you did feel like he was a liability defensively, um, but it felt like he'd made some strides. And if nothing else, it just sort of felt like Indiana, you know, maybe wouldn't want to have to replace that body. Now, if, if it's, you know, if it was entirely Tamar Bates's decision, then you can't really help it. You know, guys are allowed to leave if they want to leave. Um, but it, it's just sort of, um, that was maybe the one that whatever the, the thought process was between, sort of player and program on that. And I know a lot of the, the outgoing guys or, or not just the outgoing guys, but I know everybody on the roster has gone through an exit interview with Mike Woodson and possibly the staff by this point, whatever led to Bates into the portal. That was the one that surprised me a little bit. I think when you look at Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo, those are two guys that were expected to have um, breakout seasons or 
there was a there was a hope that they could have breakout seasons um, in 2022, 2023, and those never really happened. I mean, Jordan Geronimo is a guy that I think um, with his athleticism and length is someone that would have fit well into kind of just the modern game. Uh, you know, there was a hope that this season he'd be able to play more of the three or this past season that he'd be able to kind of play more of the three. And, and by that, I guess just meaning uh, more, more ball handling, uh, you know, more shooting, more things that I guess a kind of a guard or wing would do. And we really never saw that come fully to fruition. Um, and then Tamar Bates, you know, another guy where, you know, same as Jordan Geronimo, they just uh, so much potential. They have the, uh, the, 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 the tangibles, um, you know, in terms of length, size, um, we saw flashes of it from both of them. And, um, you know, I, they both just didn't develop at the rate that you would have hoped. I think Jordan Geronimo had a, a stretch of games where, you know, he looked closer to the player you would have hoped him to be, hoped him to be. But ultimately, uh, you know, he also dealt with injuries. Um, you know, he was really inconsistent. Uh, and Tamar Bates, who you really wanted to be kind of that high volume score on the wing um, wasn't able to do that. So, um, you know, I think those two guys were one where it's kind of, you felt like there was some left to be desired just in terms of their development. Um, cause, cause their ceilings are and, and we're at Indiana so high, but um, you know, I think you, you have two guards coming in as incoming freshmen, uh, Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton. I think they both fit in well to what Mike Woodson wants to do. Ja'Kai Newton is a, uh, you know, kind of a, a combo guard, I would say, that can do a lot of different things. Um, obviously, for them too, as freshmen, you know, I don't know how much you would expect uh, them to make an impact in their first season. But you also look like, I think, a guy that maybe is kind of getting overlooked a little bit is like Caleb Banks, because I think he fits really well into what Mike Woodson wants to do. And basically, you know, someone that has a really versatile skill set that's long, that's athletic, that can shoot, um, I feel like, you know, maybe somewhat overlooked is what can his progress be? Can he be a guy that can come off the bench um, and look more comfortable? He kind of he, he found his way into the rotation, uh, you know, toward the second half of the season, um, and he didn't look all that confident. He's still like he was kind of getting his, you know, comfortable in the college game, which is understandable, but can he become a guy that can stretch the floor, can make threes, can get rebounds, can play with the energy he did his freshman season, um, but also add, you know, add more comfortability in his game. So I think it's part of it is some of the guys that Indiana can get in the portal, but also part of it is what can Indiana develop with the guys that it already has on the roster. No, I think I think that's fair. It's it's fair to bring up Banks. Um, it's fair to bring up, you know, Gabe Cups, especially in the context. Let's just assume in these conversations, Xavier Johnson is going to get his waiver. Then you're able to maybe give Gabe Cups a backups role. He's able to, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes a night, recognizing that it's going to be his job sooner rather than later, but that you can protect him a little bit as freshman year. I'm, I'm with you. I like Ja'Kai Newton. Um, I like kids. You know, he he plays on a, a high school team um, with uh, Stephen Castle, who's going to UConn. He's got another teammate who was committed to Georgia at one point. I don't know if he still is because I think he was committed to Tom Crean. Um, he's got a couple teammates that are going to go like, you know, mid, low major. The point is he plays on a high school team. It's not a prep team. 
but he plays on a high school team that's got every day at practice he's seeing mid and high major talent and and you know every game he steps out on the floor he's having to share the, the minutes share the ball share, share the shots and rebounds and steals and whatever else with mid and high major talents and he's still producing. And I think you, you, I think you may have mentioned there, he, he had an injury this season. Um, so, you know, this season was not quite maybe what he had in mind in the same way. Um, but I think Newton can be a, a really good player for Indiana. Um, and, and I think you also listen to, you know, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time this season, I don't want to say marveling, but, you know, impressed with the way Trey Galloway improved, you know, that, that he became obviously a much better three-point shooter. Um, you know, his his efficiency numbers were were much better. He actually took a, a lower percentage of shots than he did a season ago, um, which is, you know, can tend to help your efficiency numbers. He was a little bit better as a rebounder, could stand to get a little bit better there again. Um, but you, you know, it's, it is important that when we discuss the portal, when we discuss additions, um, that you do recognize, you know, the guys who are going to come back as well. I think there's a perception basically that Indiana has got nothing coming back because of the volume of what they're losing. And I do think it's a fair point you make that between Galloway, again, let's assume for the moment, Xavier Johnson gets his waiver, the progress of somebody like to Caleb Banks, the progress of somebody like Malik Renew, who I think already has a cleaner face-up game offensively than Trace Jackson Davis probably ever did in terms of his comfort taking jumpers, stepping away from the basket, et cetera. Um, you know, that group can get better too, but Indiana does need to add around them. Um, I think, you know, I know you've been in touch with a couple guys. I've talked to a couple guys. Um it seems like right now Indiana's biggest focuses are the wing. And, you know, kind of when you mentioned, I, I mentioned Khalil Ware, which I think is is a relatively new link. He's going to be highly coveted. He was a top five, top 10 player out of high school. Um, he's transferring out of Oregon now. Um, Caden Chedrick is another one that I know the staff has, has been really invested in uh, basically for as long as they could be. Um, the other thing it seems like Indiana really wants here is not a five man that they're going to play through as such, you know, very often, not that he'll never post up, but that it's it's not going to be an offense that's built around this player, but it's a, it's going to be a player that can still do a lot of the non-scoring things Trace Jackson Davis could do, protect the rim, rebound at a high level, be really involved in the screen and roll game. And if like, you know, if, for example, Indiana pulled a, a five man out of the portal that could average 11 and eight next season, maybe a couple blocks a game, good, you know, top five block rate in the conference. I think Indiana would feel really good with that, you know, 11 and eight, 12 and eight, something like that. A player, a player who would not need necessarily to be that focal point to get his offense and would be able to, as you said, switch a little, you know, uh, uh, switch effectively away from the basket, but also just be a real force rebounding and blocking shots. I think that seems to be the other thing Indiana is really focused on at, at the moment is, is kind of filling that almost kind of, you know, basically if you, if you look at Trace Jackson Davis and you just sort of say, let's, let's assume we're getting somebody who's going to be a lot lower volume from shot perspective, but we still need to do a lot of the other stuff. Trace Jackson Davis did really well. That's what they're looking for at that five spot. 
And I think it's someone, too, that can play in the pick and roll because we saw the success that Trace Jackson Davis had in the pick and roll with Xavier Johnson. And Xavier Johnson, if he comes back, um, creates a lot of opportunities for, um, you know, his teammates. And especially we saw, I think, toward the end of, you know, in that kind of Big Ten tournament run um, during the not last, not this past season, but the season before where Indiana – you know, won two games and then lost to Iowa on the Jordan Bohannon uh, game winner. But uh, the way that Xavier Johnson can run that pick and roll, I think having an athletic big guy that can uh, run the pick and roll and maybe doesn't need to have, you know, all the, uh, you know, the, the skill set that Trace Jackson Davis has, but is able to run um, the pick and roll. And I know, you know, we might sound like a broken record talking about this, but I feel like just getting three-point shooting is just going to be really important because Trey Galloway coming back, he was, by percentage, he was Indiana's best three-point shooter at 46.2%, but Miller Kopp is gone. He shot 44.4%. Tamar Bates shot 37.4%. He's in the portal. Uh, Xavier Johnson in a much limited limited, uh, sample size went 37%. Again, we don't know if he's coming back. Uh, Jalen Hujafino... Went 33%. I think he shot better toward the beginning of the year, and then that figure kind of dropped. But um, you're talking about if you want to play that brand of basketball, that modern brand where the floor can be spaced, uh, you need to have guys that can spread the floor. Um, So I think having guys that can shoot is going to open up so much more. You know, if you're talking about Xavier Johnson, if he comes back, what – what he is able to do, how is he, how he is able to create for others, how is he, he is able to get into the lane, um, you know, just to avoid that that clog lane. Um, and, you know, I, I was co- sort of surprised. Caleb Banks shot 40% from three, but that was obviously on a really small sample size. But if that's something that maybe he can he can maintain, but at a, at a higher volume, um then, like I said, I think that would be something key. I think C.J. Gunn is someone we haven't mentioned, but um, he was known in high school as a good shooter. He struggled a lot in his freshman season, but if he can be that kind of guard wing that can space the floor, that can be a a spot-up shooter, you know, I think the development of what was this freshman class, and obviously we know Jalen Huchifino is gone, but Malik Renu, C.J. Gunn, uh, and Caleb Banks, I I think that the development of those three, especially when it's kind of unknown what Indiana's getting out of the portal, I think the development of those three um, is going to be really key, is, is how much of a jump can each of those three make. I think Malik Renew is the obvious one that you want to make the biggest jump, maybe not only uh, by luxury, but, not, but by necessity. But I think C.J. Gunn um, and Caleb Banks are two other guys that, really would fit well into the system if they can make that uh, that jump from their freshman year to their sophomore years. I think, you, I mean, you, you bring up something very valid there, which is just, you know, where do the backcourt minutes go, but also where is the shooting coming from? And I don't know that Indiana necessarily needs to be, you know, the absolute best three-point shooting team in the world. You know, it's I don't think we – I don't think Indiana needs to, you know, shoot the lights out, so to speak. Um, you know, UConn, as an example, shot 62, was 62nd in the country, I should say. Shot about 36.3% from three. 
from three this season, um, only 38.5% in conference play. You know, if, if you want to go to some other teams, I mean, Alabama and Nate Oates teams tend to be good shooting teams. They were barely top 200 in three-point shooting. But you had guys that could do it. You had enough threat. And I think that's, to be fair, you know, I think what we talked about with Indiana so much this season was they got to a place as a, as a team where they the threat of three-point shooting was finally present again. They just would not take them at high enough volume. And, and sometimes maybe that was game plan. Sometimes maybe it felt it was a little bit, you know, sort of skewed toward you had these two high, high volume offensive players, neither of whom shot a ton of threes. Jalen Hutchifino shot some. Trace Jackson Davis shot none. Um, my point is, you know, to be a, a top 10 team, you don't need to be a top 10 three point shooting team, but you need to know where that threat comes from. And that's kind of the, the one place that the, the one, the one piece of this that it, it, it doesn't feel like Indiana's answering unless they've looked at some of these guys like a Chris Ledlam. You mentioned Jamison Battle there. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, pushed back and forth to me how serious Indiana is with Battle. But either way, um, you know, if they've maybe identified, you know, we think we can make that guy a better volume three point shooter than he was before. We think we can, we see something in his shot. We think we can fix and that'll make, that'll make it better. Um, then fair enough. That's possible. Um, but it does just feel like that's an area that Indiana's got to answer for that the links were aware of, the offers were aware of, the visits were aware of, certainly to this point. There's there's no glaring sort of like this guy is clearly designed to come in and help with X. Miller Cop is a great example. And obviously Indiana came to count on Cop for other things, wing defense and, and things like that. But when Indiana signed Miller Cop, you know, the 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 first sort of bullet point on the scouting report was Indiana needs help shooting the three. This player should help Indiana in that area. And that's kind of the one. Even like, I mean, even frankly, the the brief sort of um, flirtation with getting involved with Caleb Love, Caleb Love shoots a lot of threes, but doesn't always make a lot of threes. I think he was under 30% this season. Um, it just feels like that's the one piece of this where unless Indiana really backs itself to get a couple guys better at that by November, um, we don't have an obvious sort of like, this is clearly what they have in mind to address that issue. I think another thing is when it comes to three-point shooting is not only getting someone that can shoot threes, but that can also put the ball on the floor, that can also, uh, you know, get to the basket. I think that that type of guard is something Indiana has mostly lacked since Armand Franklin left because he was a guy that uh, could score on three levels, uh, was also a two-way guy that could, you know, play defense. I think Trey Galloway is kind of the closest Indiana has gotten to an Armand Franklin uh, since Franklin transferred to Virginia. But because uh, Trey Galloway, you know, developing that three-point shot, a really good defender, um, he can create for others. He can put the ball on the floor, kind of that versatile guard that can do a bit of everything. I just feel like Indiana didn't have enough of those. I think it, it's putting three, two or three of those type of guards on the floor at the same time. I think that's when um, – you can really start to put things together when you have uh, multiple guards that are three-point threats, 
that can also take you off the dribble with a shot fake um, that can uh, create for others. I think when you, if you have Xavier Johnson out there, if you have Trey Galloway, I think if you have one other guy out there, because I think Tamar Bates didn't really fill that gap in terms of being able to consistently be a guy that can get to the rim, that can also shoot um, at the same time. I think, um, you know, Miller Cop in the same way that I think he did get better at kind of having a pull-up game, uh, you know, this past season. But he wasn't a guy with, that was really a threat to pump fake drive past you and just dunk on someone's head. Um, I think if Indiana can kind of maybe find a balance in between, okay, let's get some three-point shooting, but also a guy that could sort of be a slasher like Trey Galloway um, that can kind of – and this kind of just – plays into this idea more of, of the modern game, getting a guy that can do multiple things, but um, finding some, some guys that can do, you know, do multiple things offensively that can also, uh, you know, get down and play and play defense as well. And, uh, you know, looking more big picture, I just think this off season is just, I, I don't know if it's Mike Woodson's biggest challenge because he came into a difficult situation, but this is his next biggest challenge um, because I feel like at this point you're like, what is Indiana basketball going to look like um, next season? And I think the whole idea is like, we don't know, like we don't know who is going to be the guy. We don't know who is going to be the secondary guy, the third guy. Like there's just so much unknown basically for Indiana to figure out a bunch of moving pieces, who's coming in, uh, who's going to develop. It's, it is. It does make for some really interesting storylines, but um, unlike the last two seasons where you go in knowing, okay, Trace Jackson Davis is going to be the centerpiece, can you get enough guys around him? This season is so much different where it's just you just don't know. There's just so much unknown. There's so so many unknown pieces, you know, so much of who is even going to be on the roster. So I think, uh, you know, this is kind of a unique offseason when comparison to the last few. I think there's one other thing you bring up there and and we can close this down. And and I also, you know, the way portal recruiting moves, I recognize we may finish this podcast at like 1045 and, you know, by 11 AM, somebody will committed. And and that's just kind of the nature of this. It it happens very fast. Um, But you also bring up the, you know, the, the possibility of players that can slash the players that can drive, that can beat, you know, beat the man in front of them. I think that was, again, if you want to go back to, to Mike Woodson's Hawks teams, some of them could shoot threes and 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 could certainly make threes. He had a couple top 10 three-point shooting teams in terms of accuracy. But he also had guys that were real physical mismatches, you know, that, that when he was at his best, for example, Josh Smith could take bigger, slower defenders off the dribble. Joe Johnson certainly could do that. Josh Childress, to some extent, could do that. Even Al Horford in, in in some matchups, because Indiana basically started him at the five, or not Indiana, Atlanta, excuse me, started him at the five. Even Al Horford sometimes had a bit of a, an athleticism advantage because he was playing true centers. Um, you, don't, it, it, you don't have to just, especially if you're not playing through a true post, you don't have to just think about, okay, we have to space the floor as much as possible. Because if you're not playing through a true post, you don't need to put that ball down in the, you know, down the block and then say, okay, we need to do everything we can to give them the most space possible. You have to hit some threes. More, frankly, than Indiana's hit in the last, you know, three or four years when it comes to either accuracy or volume or both. But, on the other hand, you don't have to be a prolific three-point shooting team if you've also got guys 
that can create for themselves or others simply by winning their one-on-one matchup, you know, using a ball screen and getting downhill or, you know, getting switched onto a less favorable defense, defensive matchup, maybe, you know, a smaller player like it, it you know, if, if we're talking about sort of where Indiana's roster was last year, players like Miller Cop and Race Thompson weren't beating many defenders off the dribble. If you can get some guys that can do that a little bit more, well, then that that goes into the the pot alongside your ability to, um, you know, alongside your ability to hit the three or, you know, break teams down with a ball screen offense. There's also that element, especially I think when you look at a player like a Jamison Battle or a Chris Ledlam, someone like that, um, I think that that piece of it too is is interesting um, because Indiana hasn't had a ton of that from non-guard spots, really non-point guard spots the last couple of years. But if you can add a little bit more of that, that's just sort of different dynamics to your, your offense as well. Um We'll finish it up there. I do want you uh, quickly, if you would uh, be so kind, to plug. Uh, I think you've got a softball story coming. We have not written a lot about the softball team yet. They are on a remarkable run, and frankly, are kind of the. It's worth saying the the latest in a series of uh, women's programs at Indiana that have sort of pulled up uh, a different level, uh, pulled up to a different level of competitiveness, basketball being the most obvious example, but swimming and diving has gotten better and better in recent years. Um, and now softball is kind of joining in. So if you would not mind just sort of elevator speeching that story briefly, uh, for people to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, they're currently 22 consecutive wins. Um, that's a program record. They won, uh, yesterday against Western Kentucky, um, but no, what they're building is, um, you know, or what they're what they've been able to kind of do this season has been really impressive. Um, Shonda Stanton, uh, in her sixth season as IU's head coach, um, she had a really successful career at Marshall before this. But what you know, writing this story really stood out to me. Reporting the story was um, how much the uh, the her players basically respond to her, and just saying that she. And this seems to be a common theme about coaches that are successful is that they really care about their players more than what they just do in the sport. So, um, you know, Shonda Stanton is someone that definitely cares about the players beyond what they do on the softball field. She's there for them in life, um, you know, and, and really being that kind of mentor. So, um, no, it's been remarkable, but what, what IU softball has been able to do, they're just, um, you know, having the, the, the this kind of breakout season um, certainly under Shonda Stan. So, um, you know, the, the, the consecutive win streak is still counting. So they're, they still, they're still, they have already kind of had a historic season, but they can continue to kind of string that on. We'll leave it there for now. This has been Mind Your Banners for Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. Thank you so much for listening. For Tyler Tashman, for The Star, for Herald Times, uh, I'm Zach Osterman. We will talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.